For those that have been with us for a few weeks, we've been looking at doctrine. And who said this statement? My Lord and my God. Thomas. Thomas. Daddy. <laughs> I put it in front, but we won't give him that title in heaven. <laughs> Doubting Thomas, when he saw the Lord, after he said, unless I see him, I cannot believe. But then when he did see him, yes, he said, my Lord and my God. And I pray that we would desire to know God. And uh, for to know him is life eternal and a blessing traveling through life. <clears throat> we began to look at why we study doctrine about a month or more ago because of the denials in the latter times, last days and last day that is mentioned throughout the New Testament. <clears throat> we need truth. We need the doctrine of God's word because right doctrine, secondly, fosters right behavior and also because so few teach it today for fear of offending people and them leaving the church. We should be teaching truth. An article that I read this week <clears throat> confirms this. The title to it was The Calamity of Cultural Conformity. The Calamity of Cultural Conformity. It's where the church has lost its message. It's conforming to the world when Romans 12 says, as, as says to Christians, do not do that, but be conformed to the Lord. And it's become so like the world that there's very little difference in its music, its behaviour, in its manner, in what it teaches and preaches. And it has been silenced by the world to say, if you say that, we can take you to court and throw you in jail. That's where it's getting quickly. And so <clears throat> the calamity of cultural conformity in that article, it had a little picture. You won't be able to see it. There's a little, a little picture here. See that? Yeah. <laughs> and it's an iceberg. Remember the Titanic? Hit the iceberg. How much of an iceberg is above the water? Yeah, about a 9%, 10%. So that's right. And the rest of it's down below. And the top of it is what you see. In the Christian life, the top of it is our behaviour that the world sees. At the top of it, we might say the church is what the world sees. The world, the world sees the little bit of the church. And the church is slowly sinking, so the iceberg is very small. There's not much influence upon the world by the church because their behaviour is so like the world. But underneath, down underneath, the iceberg is a massive amount. 90% of the burger is dead. <laughs> the berg <laughs> is down there. I knew I'd say that. <laughs> but <clears throat> it's down there. And, and that is our belief. That's the basis of it. And from our beliefs come our values that we have and hold in life. And if we've got values, we'll speak about them. If we haven't, we won't. And that sinks the iceberg if we're Christians. And from our values come out, comes our thinking. And from that, our emotions. And that could be even a little bit of what appears up the top. It's the basis of our beliefs that hold that 
the rest of the berg up and that people can see and our be- see our behaviours. And that's why we teach on doctrine because it's that that they see. You know, when the world beholds or, or notices a Christian, why, why are you living like that? You know, they notice the difference. But if there's no difference, they won't ask any questions. As it says in Peter, you know, we conform ourselves to the Lord Jesus and then they'll ask you questions. You know, what, what is it that makes you live that way? So let's have at least 10% sticking up. But let's have the basis of holding that up. Our belief, very solid and firm in the word. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we can consider you and your word and what you tell us about yourself today. Lord, I pray that we would be conformed not to the image of the world, but to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that from that, our life might be buoyant and our behavior would be godly and Christ-like and people might ask a reason for the hope that is in us. I pray that you bless each one that has come and is listening in today with a blessing from your word and your Holy Spirit would lead them into that. Lord, what the preacher says is only important if it's based on God's word and I pray that today that would be true. And bless those, Lord, of our missionaries who are under pressure in places and missing family in other places and struggling with culture in places. Lord, we pray that you would use them, that they might adjust to preach the word to those that have a great need. Use your word to glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last time we were together, we began looking at the doctrine of God. Um, We looked at God is omniscient. (laughs) How much does God know? Everything. It goes down to the hairs of your head. If you've got some, many, or none. (laughs) He he goes to the sparrows that fall. You know, there's insignificant little things flutter around. He knows when one of them dies. He keeps a re- record of these things. He knows. Ask him and, you know, there's no quiz that you'd ever give to God that he couldn't answer every single question. The holiness of God. <clears throat> we looked at that last time we were together. <clears throat> In the dictionary it mentioned absence of righteous, of, of yeah, absence of sin, sorry. <clears throat> That's a negative way of putting it. And we use the illustration, what does it mean to be healthy? It means more than not being sick likewise holiness is more than the absence of sin it's a positive healthy being right being the light we looked at God's justice and righteousness and the question comes immediately from those that are thinkers how can God be just and justify the sinner and Paul put that question in Romans chapter 3 and answered the question it's because of Jesus Christ that he can still be right and just and righteous and justify sinful creatures that are against his holiness, that are against his purity and perfection. Because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins and that's what God's justice required. We looked at God is love. <coughs> And we're only briefly touching these 
God is love. <clears throat> we looked at compassion and correction. And it's interesting as you read that well-known verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the love of God, whosoever believeth. But just the verses to follow. For this is the condemnation. You see, love and compassion, but correction. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men, <clears throat> men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. There has to be that balance, and there is. And in raising children, you have to have the compassion, <clears throat> but you have to have the correction for them to, to go in the right way, not to harm and hurt themselves. God does that for us. God is love. And uh, what epistle or what um, epistles would you read or gospel would you read Discover a little bit about love. John, you'd go to the Gospel of John or the Epistles of John and there it mentions it many times. Now, we move on this morning, considering God again <clears throat> and his attributes. God is true. Agreement and consenting with all that represents God himself. God is true. Can you remember who asked the question, what is truth? Pilate asked that question. And uh, <clears throat> who did he ask it of? <laughs> the Lord Jesus, the best person to ask what is truth. But if you read before Pilate asked that question, <clears throat> Jesus had said this in verse 37. Pilate asked it in verse 38. Pilate said, For this cause, and the cause was to be king, Jesus was to be king, came I into the world. You know, are you the king? Pilate said, for this cause came I into the world. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And I wonder if Pilate comprehended what Jesus just said to him. He's on trial before Pilate, and Pilate's trying to you know, get him so that they don't, you know, we'll, we'll release unto you someone else. No, no, we want him crucified. The truth. His wife had had dreams that night and warned her husband not to condemn this man. This man of truth. Absolute truth. I, you know, I've never been to court, but if you stand before the court, what do you say? I'll tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And how many have committed perjury, that is, lied under oath, when they've said that? And his dad was in court 50-something years ago. They said, now swear on the Bible, and say, he said, I, I'm not swearing on the Bible, because other fellows have been there putting their hand on the Bible and telling lies. <laughs> I mean, my dad doesn't consider a judge to be any more important than others, but, you know, that is, you know the judge was sort of a bit taken back by that. And Betty, I will tell the truth, of course. <laughs> All the truth. And look, when we come before the bar of judgment in heaven, <laughs> truth. And uh, you will tell the truth. You won't be able to hold back what has happened in your life if you're a non Christian and face the great white throne judgment. Nothing that you've done 
will be held back before everybody. That's a time not to look forward to, but to escape the coming judgment by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. The practical implications. Well, in Romans 3, 4, it says, say, it says this, let God be true, but every man a liar. Let God be true. In John 14, 6, up behind me here, I am the way, said Jesus, the truth and the life. If you want to know the truth, read about the Lord Jesus Christ. Read the word of God. He doesn't hold back from telling the truth. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything of the Old Testament saints is mentioned there. It tells the truth. And how that these people who were so bad got right with God, many of them. Uh, <clears throat> God will keep his promises because he is a true God. Jesus said in John 14 that where I am, there ye may be also. Is that a true statement? Do you believe it? Are we going to heaven? <laughs> I pray that you understand that. That, that is true, a true statement. There's thousands of them in the Bible. But one that affects us, the implications, is that this is true and uh, <clears throat> we will come into his presence. He keeps his promises. That where he's there we may be also. <clears throat> and that's in John 10. And, and based on that is security of the believer. 10, 27 to 29 of John. He will fulfill his promises. All of them. And I can't but help, you know me, but go back to the promises he made to a particular nation that he chose out. Not that they were bigger or better than anybody else, but God chose them. And he made a promise to Abraham... And he will be true to his promise. He said, I'll give you a land. And where does that land go from? Nile River to the Euphrates River. And I'll give you a seed that's like the sand of the seashore and like the stars of heaven. They've never really been a big nation as we think of that. It's yet to come. And so... He'll keep that promise. It's just an unconditional one. He said to David, he gave a promise to David, and he will be true to his promises. You know, we think back in our life, how many times we made a promise and haven't kept it or haven't been able to keep it. And I, tr I trust that you feel bad that you make a promise and can't keep it but because you're, <laughs> we're made <coughs> as his sons and we should be following him. But God made a promise to David. His seed will sit on the throne. David, your seed will sit on the throne. And who is the seed of David? The Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why in the book of Luke, in the book of Matthew, you have the genealogies there that go trace right back to David <laughs> and to Noah, one of them. And he will keep his seed. He, he will keep Christ to be the seed on the throne of David in the future millennium. Um, he made a Palestinian promise. You'll stay in the land if you what? Obey my voice. They didn't obey, so they got kicked out. He kept his promise. There was a conditional one. He had another promise, a mosaic promise. And uh, will he be true to that promise? And given on Mount Sinai, if you will obey, you will be blessed. If you disobey, 
you'll be cursed. God kept his promise? My word, he has. Look at Israel for what? 2,000 years. 2,500 years when they got kicked out by the Babylonians. Yes, he's kept his promise, but there's one more that he'll be true to, and that is the new covenant. If you haven't read it, go back to the middle of Jeremiah and chapter 30 and 31 and read the promise of God of the new covenant. Will he keep his promise? He's kept all the others. Will he keep this one? He's keeping it even now. Uh, Based on Christ's sacrifice, we enjoy the spiritual blessings of this new covenant. And based on Christ's sacrifice, Israel will enjoy the material benefits in the millennium of that new covenant that he gave there in the book of Jeremiah. Let's go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 to 7. There we read, and this is for promises that he'll keep true to. And the way these words have been put here and written and the tense therein makes this like it's, an, it's absolute truth. This can't be changed. For God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. By grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's like God has said it, it is as good as done. The words quickened in verse 5, the word raised in verse 6, and sit in verse 6 are all in the aorist tense. It's a past action with present abiding results that go on for eternity. It's as good as done, like we're not there yet, but we're there. (laughs) Good as done. In heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. To know and understand that truth. That's the truth of God. And the way he inspired those words to be written in the tense they are. Gives us absolute assurance that he will He will we'll be there. We'll get there. No matter what comes. If we're truly born again. So God is true. Trust his word. If you believe he's true. You'll get into his word and understand more about him. Understand about the truth. And, and these things, as it says, are written in the Old Testament for our example. That we should know how to walk in this present wicked world. Others have walked away. You know, We say, we're the first ones that are going through this ache and pain and trouble. <laughs> no, we're not. There's multitudes, multitudes, millions of people have been through circumstances that we face and we think we're the only ones. No, God leads us through these toward himself. Praise God, he is true. Praise God, secondly, this morning he is free. When this was presented in Bible College, I remember the reaction. 50 years ago, I don't know. Some novice, green behind the ears, college student, 
suggested this when they said, God is free, when the lecturer said, Sir, then he's free to sin. <laughs> you see how, see their logic? Illogic. <laughs> God is independent of his creatures. The only restrictions on God are those inherent in his own person. God cannot sin because he is holy. He cannot sin. The only restrictions on God's freedom are the restrictions of perfection. And since perfection is no restriction in reality, then God is not restricted in any way. That's the argument against the college students. I think the lecturer said something like that. <laughs> God is free. Turn to the book of Isaiah where we had our reading this morning. <coughs> and verse 13. God is free. God makes his choices. And it ties with all the other attributes of God, each one of these. And it says in verse 13 where we read earlier, Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? What's the answer? Nobody. <laughs> or who has been his counsellor and taught him? Nobody. <laughs> you see, God is free from all obligations to anybody <laughs> because he is God. If you're going to say he's God, let him be God. With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed unto him the way of understanding? Who? Nobody. Because he already knew he is God. Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket and the counted as a small dust in the balances. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. <clears throat> Verse 18. We concluded with this one in a reading. To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? And that's repeated in verse 25. Who can you compare God to? Nobody. <laughs> because he is God. He's got no rivals. And he is free to do and to decide what to do throughout his universe. And <clears throat> I've written down, see Job. I was reading it a, a few weeks ago. When Job got to the end of his argument with his three friends and they'd put their dubious arguments back to him, God spoke in chapter 38 of Job. And if you, if you get a colour in pencil, mine's in yellow, who, 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 you know. He put Job on the spot and, and Job's shrinking down, oh Lord, who am I to answer? And God asks questions. Who laid the, laid, hath laid the measure of it? And knowest, or who hath stretched out the line upon it? That is, <laughs> the earth. Whereupon are, are its foundations fastened? Who, who laid its cornerstones? Today we know a whole lot more than what maybe Job knew. I think he knew quite a bit because God had taught him way back early. And, and, and continues to go on. <clears throat> I like the one in verse 35 of Job 38 it says canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee here we are you think about that for a moment can we send lightnings at the speed of light and say here we are I've got the message with the um, 
cable, what do they call that? They put under the ground, the, the blue optic fiber. You know what we can do today? Send it at the speed of light. That's how quick the messages go. I had a bit we ripped up with the bulldozers. Mm -hmm. Not supposed to, but we got all permission to do it and they got the wrong spot. So it was blue and it's all hairy. It's like fine fiberglass like things, thousands of them in a little tiny thing. This is where your messages go and the amount of messages that can go through that cable are enormous. Sent at the speed of light. And I was thinking, they get messages to Voyager 1, it's just 24 billion kilometres away. And so I worked out how long does it take a message to get there. <laughs> That's 22 and a half hours. You know, who knows all this? God. We're discovering his works after him. He's a great, wonderful God. So write internet next to that verse <laughs> because it's sort of hinting at the message. Here we are. I've got the message. You know how sometimes someone said, I've sent you the message, and you go on your computer into, into uh, the email and it's not there yet. <laughs> Something's holding it up because it goes at the speed of, that travels at the speed of light too. Praise God for who he is. And as Job said, oh, how wonderful is our God when he was confronted by the Lord. Read those chapters, 38 and 39 of Job, and, and, and consider all the things that are in them because that's God speaking directly to Job and to the three friends that started cowering in the corner, I'm sure, after that was spoken. In Psalm 115, God is free. He can make all these decisions. He's got power to do it. It says in 115 verse 3 of the book of Psalms, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever it pleased him to do. We can't put God in a bottle. Job and his friends couldn't put God in a bottle. No, no, not at all. He's done whatsoever he hath pleased to do. We might like to direct God and we might even in our prayer say, Lord, I want you to do this. Please do this. You know? And it's against his will and we're praying this. We're way out of order. Way out of order when we pray that. We pray according to his will. Then he hears us and answers our prayer. <clears throat> um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, speaking of the Christian. This is a wonderful thought because God is free. This is what he has done for us in Galatians 5.1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty with which Christ has made us what? Free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We've been set free by the sacrifice of Christ and our believing on that. We are free to make a choice. As Christians, well, we are free to make a choice to become a Christian and also to say no. There's consequences to both, isn't there? We are free as Christians to make choices. And Romans 6 tells us that we to make the right choice, you know, put to death. And Ephesians and Colossians tells us over and over again that, yeah, we can make a choice to sin, but we are free to live a righteous life. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. We don't have to be under the old man anymore. God has given us liberty to live that way. And in that way, we experience the freedom of God 
free to do what is his perfect will in our lives. God is, this will be the last one for this morning, God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. And back at the college class, I don't know who was the lecturer there, but they were giving him heaps. There's about 34 students in the class at that time. That's as big as it ever got, I think. And they had come up with all these ideas about, you know, well, that means, but what about all the other attributes? Put them together with that one. God is omnipotent. He's powerful. 56 times in Scripture it says, God is the Almighty One. 56 times He's the Almighty. And when people and movie people use that word Almighty about a person, they're skating on thin ice. They're offending God because He only is the Almighty One, is He not? He is nobody. It's used of nobody else but God. Revelation 19 verse 6 reads, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a mighty thunder, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent, it uses the very word, reigneth. We don't see it today, but God still is on the throne. He still is in control, although it seems all out of control down here. He is still in control of all the things that happen. The practical implications of this, 1 Peter 1.5 Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The implication is we are kept by the omniscience of God, sorry, by the omnipotence of God, the power of God through faith unto salvation. We don't understand how powerful an effect God has had in our lives when we believe and how it has changed the course of our destiny for eternity. What it cost, uh, what power was involved in us being saved and secured a place in heaven. And when we get to heaven, we'll begin to say, well, I never knew that God's omnipotence was involved so much in my salvation to be able to forgive of sins when God is absolute holiness and he can have me in his heaven. God saves us through his power. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Even for rich people, as Jesus said in Matthew 19.26, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. But Jesus said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible because he's all-powerful, he's omnipotent. He created all things, Genesis 1.1. And in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, <clears throat> he keeps all things, he preserves all things. It says there, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, speaking of the Lord Jesus, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. 
He upholds all things by the word of his power. He says it and it happened. He said it and it happened. <laughs> In his life, the, the life of the Lord Jesus, he said it and it happened. Raising from the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the leper. He said it and it happened. That's small, that's big. But that's more when you think of the creation of the world when he spoke the word, the omnipotent word from his mouth and everything came into being. <clears throat> I read this morning, they're going to reproduce the mammoth in about five years' time. The mammoth is coming back <laughs> by some, some elephant over there, an Asian elephant that they're going to as closest to the genes they can get and they're going to tweak, they said, the genes and then implant it in this elephant and it'll come out a mammoth. <clears throat> and that's taken oodles of knowledge, a lot of computer power, a lot of time for scientists to do just that. God just said it and all the animals with all the intricacies and all the manners in which they work, whether they're dead down in the depths of the deepest sea, in the middle, up the top, in the air or flying, he just spoke them. That's the power of God. You know, it's incredible. You know what? He loves us and he gave himself for us. This very one that spoke these things into existence. <clears throat> and... He's done something for us who are believers. In the book of Acts, it says, Great grace and great power gave he to the disciples who believed on him and loved him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Ye shall receive, what is the word? Power, dunamos. After that the Holy Spirit has come upon, upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. He gives us his power to witness. And if you've ever had the privilege, and I pray you have and have them more often, of telling someone else about the Lord Jesus, you'll understand that things happen in an instant come to your mind with the words of God and he's giving you the power to be able to give what he wants to that individual pray for that as we walk around you know many of us just walk in the flesh or walk in the power of the flesh and the flesh can't do it God can through us do those things the dunamis and that's where we get our word dynamite from <laughs> as, a, as a kid I handled that stuff I don't know why I kept fat Parents' lettuce. It's like um, wax, just stiff. You squeeze it like that, not for too long. <laughs> and don't let anything go bang around it. But it, it has a, a drastic effect. And using it in rocks and splitting logs and things like that, when they're all banned now, you can't do that anymore, but that was way back in those days when you could. When it goes off, it goes off with a bang. I remember Armour Spaulding. Now that's um, Ken and Ken's father. This is going way back. And he helped, helped build the human weir wall. He came to church here. <clears throat> and he said the best way to fish is dynamite. 
Brother Derek. <laughs> but <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. <clears throat> it stuns them and they all rise to the top. <laughs> and it, it lets off a shockwave. You know, when God works through the Christian, <laughs> he lets off a shockwave around that person that he might bring the individual you're talking to to himself and that the power of the gospel might be effective in that person's life. It's not us. It's God that does this. And so often we, I think, well, it's me. I need, yep, <laughs> through me, not me. <laughs> and he said in Romans, I mean, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power, all dynamite, all dynamos, dynamos, <laughs> is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he said, What? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the uttermost parts of the world. Well, now that's in the other one. <laughs> Acts 1, down in Australia, from Jerusalem to the uttermost part of the world. He's still here to empower us, to do his work, because he is in the omnipotent God who works through you to bring himself the glory for eternity. Will there be any stars in heaven? <laughs> As Daniel said, you know, you will shine like a star of heaven because you win people to righteousness, win people to the Lord. That's why we're here. Let's speak to them and talk to them and grow in our faith and understanding of our wonderful God. God <coughs> is true. God is free. God is omnipotent. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, how can we with a mortal mouth try to explain and tell about yourself thank you for your word that helps us along to do that and I pray that as this morning we have considered you may we bow in humble surrender to you as Christians and say Lord, Lord let your will be done and Lord if there's unsaved people listening may they bow in repentance and faith and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and may they become yours through the power of the gospel. Not ashamed of that, Lord, we pray for their salvation. Bless us as we part and be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>